0: In our series on Ruth, we're moving today from a chapter that is focused on emptiness to the beginnings of hope. And I'm going to use as our prayer this morning words from Psalm 77 that speak about difficulty in times of trials. Sometimes the trials in our life are part of a test to test the genuineness of our faith, and they are storms that we need to navigate. And the telling piece is where our eyes go when we are in the midst of the storm. Things can get rough, but God cannot fill us unless we are a little hungry. So he allows us to experience those things. And he uses those things to teach us in more profound ways. So again, the words of Psalm 77, just as they are written. And I will use this again as our prayer for illumination as we move into the message this morning as well. Psalm 77, please join me in prayer. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs and the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked, will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Lord Most High stretched out his right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your words and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God. You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The water saw you, God. The water saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked your path led through the sea your way through the mighty waters though your footprints were not seen you led your people like a flock by the hand of moses and aaron lord you have used your power to wall up the waters and deliver your people safely through sometimes we don't walk through life though on dry ground the storms rage and the uncertainty builds but you have the power to calm those waters and bring us through. When we are fearful and empty, when we are troubled, may we see that light in the darkness and trust that you can open a path toward brighter days. In your word this morning, show us the power of a faithful and sovereign God, honoring the faith and perseverance of his people. Amen. So a little bit of a a recap this morning before we move into chapter 2 and a little bit of chapter 3 in the book of Ruth. We're going to revisit the the settings, the early characters, and some of the themes from chapter 1. We started in Bethlehem very briefly, and Naomi and her husband Elimelech went to Moab to escape a famine. And we saw at the end of chapter 1 that they were heading back to Bethlehem. The famine had ended, the harvest had begun in Bethlehem, but the characters are different. At the beginning of chapter 1, it was Naomi and Elimelech and their two sons, and Naomi now returns to Bethlehem, and it is her and Ruth, her daughter-in-law. The theme that we focused on in chapter 1 was emptiness, the loss and the bitterness that Naomi was feeling. But we also had this movement towards Hased. We talked about compassionate loyalty. We talked about Ruth saying to Naomi, I will stay with you. And then we move today into this moment of hope. We are back in Bethlehem. As I mentioned, it is harvest time. We have an additional character that is added to the story that will be significant, and that is Boaz. We will continue to see Hased working through this story. We will see the hope and the generosity that comes through these characters for one another, and we will hear of the phrase, the kinsman redeemer, which if you've studied Ruth, is probably uh, a phrase that you have heard, and we will talk more about that next week, but we are in the hope portion of this story today. Join me now in the scripture, it's Ruth, the second chapter, and then verses one through nine of chapter three. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, "'Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain "'behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor.' Naomi said to her, "'Go ahead, my daughter.' So she went out, entered the field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is a Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained there from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this she bowed down and put her face to the ground. She asked him, "'Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you noticed me a foreigner?' Boaz replied, "'I have been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done.' May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, she offered he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all that she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stocks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law and showed her how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian or kinsman redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Ruth, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvest were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Chapter 3. One day Ruth's mother-in-law Naomi said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked is a relative of ours, tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know that you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lie down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. "'Who are you?' he asked. "'I am your servant Ruth,' she said. "'Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian-redeemer of our family.'" People of God, this is the word of the Lord. So there are three big things that I want to explore this morning. Uh, The first is an indicator of the continuing emptiness that is being experienced by Naomi and Ruth. A return to Bethlehem is not a return to fullness. Ruth is heading into the fields to glean. And that is a concept that might be a little foreign to those of you who grew up in an urban area like this, but some of us have some rural experience, uh, including myself. When I was a a high school student in Iowa, I got the privilege of working in the field one summer, and I loved it so much, I made great efforts the next summer to make sure I never had to do that again. And one of my jobs was to go out detasseling in the cornfields and there are some similarities to what happened there in the fields of Iowa and what is happening in this story with Ruth and these other gleaners the detasseling was the removal of the tassel from the top of the corn stalk in certain rows so the field would pollinate itself appropriately and sometimes and apologies the the quality of these two photos are not great but they would send a machine through the field and it would pluck those little tassels off the top of the corn stalks. Some kids, myself not included, got to ride in these little buckets where they would pick the tops off of the corn as they rolled through. This is a little truer to my experience with the corn stalks well above your head, but there is a significant problem with this photo. These women are smiling. (laughs) And that was not my experience at all. So the machine would leave certain rows that were male and female rows with the corn, and we would go in behind and we would be kind of picking up the pieces. Like Ruth and those that were in the field, they're picking up the extras. My experience was showing up at the field while it was still dark, early in the morning, and all of the dew from the evening was still on the corn stalks, And you would have to wear long, thick pants and long sleeves to protect yourselves because the leaves of the corn stalks would irritate or cut your skin so you had to be covered up so as you're walking through the wet field in the morning you are absorbing all of that moisture and then the sun comes up and it gets hot and you are humid and you are just absorbing the pollen and now there's dryness and there's wetness and the mud and like i said i made every effort not to go back to the field that next year. You're just swimming in this humidity. So here is a young man dressed a little bit more like we were with the long sleeves and the gloves. I don't know if you can see it well, he's got face protection, which we did not have. He's got his earphones in. The music of the fields to me was my friend Doug singing his country music. And I got a little bit of laughter from my friend Rob, a funny guy who would tell us jokes trying to lighten the mood. And this is Ruth, without the headphones and without all of that gear, right, is going into the field, following behind the work that has been done to pick up the pieces. This, again, is not moving from emptiness to fullness just because she's in the field and she has an opportunity to work. This is subsistence work, picking up just enough, gathering just enough, to have enough hope for survival. And she's not even one of the the paid or the compensated workers. They would have rules of the field where the owners would instruct their harvesters to leave a little bit behind so those that were in a less-than position who were needing help could come in and gather enough just to survive. So we read that Ruth is in the fields and working very hard that day. She and Naomi have just come back to Bethlehem. They are in a position of need. She is a foreign woman now in a dangerous place and putting in the hard work to make sure that there is something there for her and for Naomi. And then we hear that she meets Boaz. Not only does Ruth end up in his field, he shows up. On that day and recognizing not just the work that she is doing in the field, but the loyalty that she has shown to Naomi Word has gotten around and in verse 12. He says to her may the Lord repay you for what you have done and Interestingly enough he happens to be in a position in more ways than one to answer his own prayer He is the owner of this field and he is able to provide her the opportunity to fill her physical emptiness and he is also a close relative of naomi's deceased husband elimelech and he can do something about that as well and again we are going to focus on that more next week and remember what we talked about in chapter one naomi through all of her troubles is still saying god is in control of this situation if he has allowed me to fall into this bitterness in these hard times He can be the one to pull me out. And we see a lot of those coincidental things happening already here. But in the midst of hoping and praying, they are getting to work. They are doing something about it. They are not just waiting on the Lord to fill them. They are going out. Ruth is doing this unglamorous work of working in the fields. So should we have hope? Yes, absolutely. Should we pray? Yes, absolutely. Should we continue to work? To fill those needs and be a part of that redemption as well. Yes. Because the book of Ruth is about the way God's sovereignty and his power is interweaving all throughout these human actions and these human situations. The Lord at work in and through and amongst us. There's a popular phrase that sometimes uh, gets attributed to the Bible, it is not in there, that says, God helps those who help themselves. Not biblical at least not as far as text from the scriptures, but God does work through human efforts and human prayers, and our initiative is an important part of advancing that story. So Ruth, as the owner of the field, shows incredible generosity to Ruth. He tells her to come back and continue to work there through the harvest. He gives her an assurance of protection. He invites her in as if she were family to eat lunch As they sit down, and as we hear, she had more than she could use at that point as well. He offers her water, which in the social standing of the day, an accomplished and man of standing who owns this field and a foreign woman who is just there to serve, she would be serving him, not him serving her. But his generosity flows through these things. He even tells the workers of his field, drop a little extra for her let her into these places beyond what would be expected from the gleaners, and let her gather as much as she possibly could. He is showing an incredible amount of generosity, and that is our second focus today, is the generosity that fits with that word we heard last week too, hased, the generosity of Boaz. He has status, he has power, and he's treating this outsider with incredible generosity. He begins to replace their physical emptiness with abundance, but it isn't just a little grain, just enough for survival. She went home with an ifa of grain. Who are the grocery shoppers? How many of you are coming back with an ifa of anything? (laughs) Do we know what that means? How much is that? Typically, a worker in the field, someone who was brought in, These official workers, not the gleaners, would bring home maybe one to two pounds a day. Two on a good day. They're working for their meals. Ruth goes home on day one with the equivalent of a half a month's wages. 30 pounds of grain. That solves their physical problems, their physical emptiness, with a lot of abundance. That physical desperation that they may be feeling has been taken care of and then she's invited to keep coming back so we might expect that he was just as generous to her throughout interestingly enough when she returns with this giant 30-pound bucket full of grain Naomi's more excited about how that could have come to be than the food that is sitting right in front of her how could that happen who was this generous to you That our fortunes in this area have changed that much and she hears the name Boaz and she sees an answer to a much bigger problem not just the need for food but this opportunity to salvage the family name and while the Lord's name is is not mentioned throughout this book often we hear it in chapter one and we can assume that he is working through all of these things So the second Hasid moment, the second moment of of hope that I want to talk about this morning is this kinsman redeemer, a little bit of a preview for what we'll talk about next week. If you've studied the book of Ruth, this is a term that you likely have come across. This is a a, a member of a family that is going to advocate for another family member, perhaps extended member, uh, to advocate for them. So Elimelech's wife, Naomi, still has some rights to the land that they owned and worked at in Bethlehem, but she doesn't have the resources to reclaim it. She needs a a family member, a kinsman redeemer, to come in and help them to reclaim the land. And land is critical in these days. That is part of the ongoing inheritance and the legacy of these families. They want to keep it in the family. The Israelites would want to keep it inside of their tribe as well that they would be able to maintain their space and protect that ownership. And they need someone to pay the price for their well-being. They need someone to sacrifice themselves for their good. They need someone to rescue them from their emptiness and bring them into fullness. They need a Redeemer. And again, we're going to learn about how that plays out next week, But there's another Hesed moment here that I don't want you to miss. A reminder of the definition, compassionate loyalty, devotion, kindness, and extraordinary or unexpected commitment. And we talked about it last week when Ruth said, Naomi, I'm with you. Where you go and stay, I'm going to go and stay. Your God is now my God, your people are my people, not even death is going to separate us i am with you and then we see it in boaz and we see it with his generosity and his willingness to give her work and to give her more than she could imagine and to protect her and provide food and to provide water and now we see it in naomi's response to ruth in the beginning of chapter three naomi shifts her attention from herself to ruth She says, my daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be provided for. We noted in chapter one that Naomi is beyond the age, we assumed, where she could rekindle a family for herself. Marriage and children uh, at her age, uh, the prospects were poor at best. And Ruth is very loyal to her in that moment, and she is now returning that favor, Maybe it's the reality of her age and the situation. Maybe it's just reciprocal where she wants to provide as Ruth has provided for her. The harvest has ended, and Naomi tells Ruth to go meet Boaz on the threshing floor to present herself as a potential wife and then let Boaz tell her what to do from there. And Ruth takes the initiative in two ways. First of all, she asks that he spread the corner of his garment over her. And in that cultural time, that was like the engagement ring. I'm going to spread a little bit of my garment over top of you. I am claiming you as my wife. But then Ruth says to Boaz, save the family. She's still thinking, as Naomi begins to think about her, she's still thinking about Naomi. She's still thinking about saving Elimelech and his line. She is acti- asking him to act on his role as the kinsman redeemer so that an heir may come from them, Ruth and Boaz, who would be seen as Naomi's son and continue that family line and be able to reclaim that land. Her loyalty, her devotion, her extraordinary and unexpected commitment to Naomi continues. And as we ponder that between this week and next, here are a few things that I would like you to think about. Who do you advocate for? Is it more often yourself? Do you look inward or do you look outward to others? When you have the opportunity to provide for someone, do you give them a gleaning level opportunity or do you enable them to thrive? and to reach abundance are you actively leading others to fullness or might you defer to someone else we'll see that next week are you deferring to someone else who might be able to do that are you saying as we heard in our exploration of James go be warm and well fed or do you recognize that sometimes the answer to prayer and the light at the end of the tunnel could be you Even in our moments of emptiness, we need to be mindful of the opportunities that we have to be agents of fullness. Ruth was not in an elevated position. She was in a situation of emptiness, and still she strove for the fullness of others. Boaz was in a position of fullness, and he also, in generosity, sought to bring others up. We might be as Boaz was, the answer to his own prayer request. And that's what Ruth asks him to do. He says, may the Lord repay you for what you have done. And she says, spread the corner of your garment over me. The people that God puts in your path are not a coincidence. It's not accidental. Not if you believe, as we believe in this story, that God's hand is at work through all of this? Where is he giving you the opportunity to fill a need with that same level of chesed? Don't ask who you can redeem or save. That's not the language we want to use. But who can you elevate enough by showing compassion, kindness, willingness, and the unexpected that you can love them to a whole nother level? Pray with me. Lord, you have shown us your generosity, your grace, and your love. Shine through us in those same ways. May we recognize your hand at work in our world and the ways we can be your hands and your feet. As we pray fervently for others, as we make requests for ourselves, may we open ourselves up to being agents of reconciliation in your world small glimpses of the full redemption that is yet to come, candles in the darkness, and the embodiment of your Spirit in your Son. May we never lose hope. May we never be so overwhelmed that we are unable to show the compassion and kindness that you show to us. And in our deepest despair, may we have faith that you are able to do the unexpected, the unimaginable, In emptiness or fullness, may we trust deeply in you. Amen.